0: Welcome to Luke's Massive Storytelling Podcast Thing 2021, baby. Oh, yeah. Welcome to Luke's Massive Storytelling Podcast Thing. My name is Luke, and this is my thing. Hope you're doing well. Hope you've been having a very productive week, creating, making, and shaking. In today's episode, we're going to have a little chat about um, going full time as a writer uh, and the value of that goal with a friend and fellow writer, Paul Stevenson. But first, before all that, let's have a bit of news. Um, I had, remember in the First episode of Season 2, I told you I had uh, an interview for a game-writing gig. Could have been could have been a bit of a, a life-changing game-writing gig, in all honesty. And I, for whatever reason, spiked my pants. <laughs> I don't think I spiked them. I think somebody else spiked them. That's the thing. Um, and I didn't think the interview went very well at all. And yet... Surprisingly, I got asked back for a second interview, which I had yesterday, and I think it went pretty well. I was I was um I was a lot more relaxed. I wasn't anywhere near stressed or anywhere near as uh, I can't go into too many details. But basically, I think it went a lot smoother, which might be a bad thing to be honest, because I thought the first one went really badly, and I got back, I got asked back for the second one. So the fact that I think this one went okay. Might not be a good sign. We shall see. Um, But you know what I would say? I did everything I could. If I get through, cool. If I don't, what else can I do? You know, I gave it my all. Uh, I've also been working on my novel this week, Dust and Fingers. It's actually called On the Road of Dust and Fingers. And it's a post-apocalyptic beatnik bizarro novel. A kind of mashup of Fallout and... Jack Kerouac's On The Road, kind of bohemian take on Annihilation or Station Eleven. This is a book that's going to go out to Agents, and I've started writing it from the start again. I need to stop doing this, but I'm 12,000 words into it again. Pretty happy with it so far. And I just need to make sure it's an absolute banger from from word one to word last. Uh, I need to make sure it's an absolute banger because it's going to be going in front of Agents... So it's banger or nothing, I'm afraid So, some letters from The Massive Uh, Carolyn O'Brien got in touch to say After listening to your podcast about the challenge I feel compelled to voice my opinion I am presently trying to write a story for an anthology But I'm having a hard time staying motivated I've learned that by adding my own deadlines It causes unnecessary stress and anxiety Life has deadlines and society has no problem enforcing them I do, however, write down my ideas for my story as they come and save the logic research for later. Thanks for listening. No, thank you for listening, Carolyn. Um, Yeah, it's weird when there's... um, Well, I will say last week I was very stressed. I had a lot of deadlines in the day job and also I was imposing these deadlines to myself on top of that. But I also agree when you're writing um, for an anthology for someone else. It's really hard to, to motivate yourself. I think because you're trying to force your idea to fit someone else's mould or whatever they're asking for so it is difficult, but it is a good skill to have uh, especially when you're looking to work for hire to write for other people's properties and IP We were also included in FC Schultz's newsletter He said, let me get it up here, oh I've lost it Okay, one sec Here we go uh, F.C. Schultz, by the way, is a great guy. He, uh, We've been friends for a little while now. But in his newsletter, he had a segment here called Third Quarter Goals. My friend Luke Condor has an awesome podcast for authors called Luke's Massive Storytelling Podcast Thing. Uh, thank you. And he just released a new episode for the first time in five years. The episode was exactly what I needed to keep motivation for the first draft I'm working on. And as a reminder to set my quarterly goals... I highly recommend the quarterly goals approach. The three-month window is long enough to get serious work done, but not so long that you lose motivation or forget what the goals are. Uh, and he goes on to list his quarter three goals here. Um, I won't read them out here. I think if you want to see his quarter three goals, go and subscribe to his newsletter uh, at FCschultz.com. That's S-H-U-L-T-Z dot C-O-M. Okay, so today... We are talking to Paul Stevenson Paul Stevenson is an author and blogger creator of the best-selling British horror series Blood on the Motorway and of the sci-fi serial The Sunset Chronicles He writes horror stories, science fiction, and tries to be funny about music on the internet. He grew a beard long before hipsters made it popular, but only because he wanted to hide his chin. He lives in England with his wife and two children, uh, and has an unhealthy relationship with his Spotify account. Alright, let's do an interview. I've done a
1: couple of these podcast interviews before, but like not massive amounts.
0: I don't think you should be that nervous because your accent, I mean, your voice, you sound very confident. You you sound like you should be doing podcasts.
1: Well, there is a, there is possibility that that might be the direction I'm going to go in. I used to do radio years and years ago, um, all like student, student radio and stuff. So, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I used to, I used to enjoy doing that. I don't know why I kind of left it really, but yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely going to look to go in the audio direction again soon.
0: That's a, I did student radio as well. I don't know if you knew that. Um and I think right. that's where my podcasting stuff came from. It just kind of carried over from talking not what kind of student radio show did you do?
1: So I had I had two. I had one at college where it was like literally it was we we recorded it in a little room and it was piped into the dining room. Um and yeah, we were really unpopular. I was like the the unpopular hour <laughs> on a Tuesday with me and my mate would go in and just blast Marilyn Manson and, and corn down the speakers to all these people wearing sort of track seats and stuff. And we used to have people come and knock on the door and like, can you, can you not do that? It's like, no, yeah, yeah, I'm going to carry on please. (laughs) Um, But then then when I went to university, I, uh, for a very brief time, I was on the university radio um, and actually managed to um, score some quite cool interviews at the time but like, it really didn't like no one, no one was listening and it was kind of, yeah, we, we kind of got booted off by this, by the station, but I interviewed system of a down, like when they had, Whoa, I, I think <laughs> it was the second day after their album had been released. So I was going to say,
0: down. I was going to say, let's compare. Cause I've got a pretty good one, but now you said that mine doesn't feel so good. We interviewed the, the cheeky girls. Nice. <laughs> okay. Now you beat me. You win. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know about that. Um, by the way, I've hit the recording button, so you should feel a like a tingling sensation in your pineal gland. Um, if you could confirm yes or no telepathically, that'd be great. Got it. Good, thanks for that confirmation. Good, yeah. good, good. good. <laughs> uh, so I guess we could start where all good creative conversations go. Uh, did you watch the match last night? Of course. Yeah, no, I... I uh... I, I've, it was so strange because I've
1: been, uh, yeah, I'm such a bit. I'm a big football fan, and I've been watching every game that I can of the Euros. So I think mm-hmm. I've missed about six or seven. And so I was expecting to feel more excited about yesterday after we won, but I don't know. I just kind of the game was so poor, and it was kind of like it was really nice, and I'm really glad we're in the final. But I have a slight feeling that we might get trounced by uh, by Italy in the final. We'll see, but. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I was it was good, but it was just after watching Italy and Spain the night before, just playing yeah. beautiful football for two hours. Um, watching uh, watching us lump it long from Jordan Pickford to Harry Kane, and try not to get it into his massively open mouth is kind of quite difficult, really. But
0: yeah, yeah. It's. Weird, but did you? So you, did you grow up watching playing football? Or did you grow up writing and making your own comic books and and books and that kind of thing?
1: Definitely the latter. I didn't get into football until I got to university and I happened to move in with some Sunderland season ticket holders and they kind of goaded me into liking football. And I just kind of said, yeah, okay. But yeah, no, before that it was all making, making tiny comics and weird short stories about, you know, sort of Elderly people homes and and stuff. So yeah, it's always been <laughs> mu- music and writing. Kind of my my first first thing I ever wrote was I was at school and I was listening to. Do you remember the band Carter, the Unstoppable Sex Machine? At all, kind of nineties indie band. No,
0: don't they, 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 I don't they, it's
1: probably pro- it's probably for the best. Um, but they they had a song <laughs> called Granny Farming in the UK. And it was about elder abuse, which is a bit of a strange subject for a, a, a jangly indie band. But for some reason, I just sat down and, having never written really anything before, I sat and wrote an entire short story in one sitting. And it was like, ooh, okay. I the, the, I don't know why I've done this, but I like it. That's, yeah. That was that was that started me off really. But then ever since, like, I've always seen the kind of the love for music and the love for writing as being somewhat intertwined.
0: Yeah, you mentioned this before to me, Uh where you were talking about like indie publishing and self-publishing, that kind of thing, being uh, a, uh, on a similar vein or a similar line to um the sort of the independent record companies. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at the Buzzcocks,
1: right, the Buzzcocks couldn't get a gig really, basically. And they just started making their own records. And just because they started doing that, basically punk happened. And then the entire independent music scene was born out of that. And, you know, when you get a band and you love an album, an album comes out, you don't go, Oh, but is it on a major label? Cause yeah. you know, but for books, for some reason we do do that. It's like, Oh, but what, you yeah, know, but oh, are you properly published? Are you through a, are you through a traditional publisher? It's a bit like turning around and asking, you know, you know, tool why aren't you uh you know, why aren't you signed to a big old label you know it's it's all about you know at the end of the day labels and publishing companies are the same they're distributors that's really what they are mm-hmm. um but they've kind of inflated their their position over the years to be some kind of glorious gatekeepers and in music they broke that down in the seventies but for publishing we're still not quite there yet and i I wrote a thing a few years ago about how you know. Indie publishing and self publishing seem kind of a bit odd names for it. For me it's punk publishing. Yeah, you know, it's a bit like, you know, making your own DIY tapes and getting it out there into the world. But we're lucky we've got all these digital kind of ways of distributing things that can can get our books and our and our words out there. There's nothing between us and the readers now.
0: Yeah, I mean the I mean nowadays you get like SoundCloud rappers I guess people who sort of just sit in their bedrooms and or in their cupboards and record little rap albums and put them on SoundCloud. Um, d- do you think there's an element of that as well where because we, we can self-publish, we can just put stuff out there, and it's very difficult to um, get people to take it uh, or to respect what we're doing, if that makes sense, or to give it the gravitas that it, it maybe should be should be given?
1: Yeah, definitely, and I think... I th- I think the difficulties now, and I think this is probably for all creatives and not just writers, is, is actually the, the, the difficulty now is getting people, you know, to pay attention. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the same for musicians. And I think it's the same for writers, for filmmakers. You know, you, anyone can be a filmmaker now. You can, as well, as you know, you know, you can make a, you know, make a short video and, and, and put it up and, Sometimes it'll take and and the really good ones can get really noticed, but then there's, there's probably loads that are made that are really brilliant and no one ever sees them because they never quite tickle the algorithm in the right way or they never find that one person who's going to go, yeah, I'm going to go and take this and show this to l- as many people as I can. Um, and, you know, I think in some ways musicians have a bit of an advantage because they can go and play live. Um, you know, yeah. we, we can't. You know, there's there's not so much that kind of scene of going and just rocking up and in a pub and standing up and reading out our stuff, um, which is probably good because that would be terrifying. <laughs> but um, it's not like we can t- turn around to a band who are our mates and say, take us on the road so we can you know, play in front of your fans. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a bit different. Um, but, you know, then we also have all these great distribution methods and, you know, these great ways of getting our words out there now, which I think is incredibly democratizing for publishing
0: yeah for sure that um the live gig analogy that's how i kind of picture um like fiction podcasts just a way Mm. of getting bits of your work out in front of people every week or uh, maybe not every week but whenever you do manage to get something out there um there are probably a lot of similarities to uh, the music scene um in terms of getting an audience i mean your book blood on the motorway there's so many reviews on that thing. There's like over 200 <laughs> reviews. I don't, so you must've had a fair few eyes on that book. Yeah, it's,
1: it's, it's done really well. I'm I'm really pleased with how that, that whole series is done. And it's, it's actually still probably my, my biggest selling thing. Um, yeah, it came out a few years ago and I, and I found, I think about two years ago, I, I set the first book in the trilogy to free, um, just basically just to try and encourage people through the door really. Um, but then, you know, the, the, the read through into books two and three is, is really good. And, and you know, the, the reviews are really, really nice. And I've had some fantastic feedback uh, from it. So, which is nice because it's, it's when it's your first book, you're always a bit like, not quite sure if it's gonna, if it's gonna be find the way, find its way in the world in the way that you hope. Um, when, when,
0: when did that one come out? 2016? Uh,
1: 2016. Yeah. So, and it was, it was a long time in, in gestation before that. Um, it actually started off as a kind of an, an attempt to write a, uh, a fear and loathing in Las Vegas kind of, um, <laughs> yeah. type, type kind of road novel. Um, but then very quickly I ended the world at the end of the first chapter and thought, well, I guess <laughs> this is going in a slightly different direction now. Um, so yeah, and it's, it's post-apocalyptic and, and I have to say a huge thank you to my wife because when I started writing it, it was originally going to be, uh, Zombies, Um, and she just said, no, just no more zombies, please God. Um, and sort of grumbled and went back and went, and I thought, had to sort of think how to make it then interesting. And I I thought, well, the zombies are always just the stand in anyway. So it was always looking to be more what about, what do people do in this in those circumstances? What happens when you take all the apparatus and all the frameworks and all the you know the things that we take so much for granted what actually happens to people. Um and there's so much tendency in post apocalyptic stuff to just assume that everyone basically goes feral. You know, as much as I love Cormac McCarthy's The Road, it's not a very it's a pretty bleak uh mm-hmm. way of looking at humanity really. Um whereas I tend to think that, you know, yeah, there's bad people, but well, there's good people too. Um, and so that was, that was really what I wanted to do was to, you know, uh, tell a story that was about hope as well as being, you know, pretty nasty in places and, and, and definitely still a horror. Um, yeah. that was, that was kind of where I wanted to go with it.
0: Uh, I mean, like I say, so it's done, it has done it very well. Uh, and did you, I was going to say, did you independently publish that? But what well, I meant to so say was, did you punk publish that back in 2016? <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it was always, um, it was always indie published, punk published, whatever we want to call it. Um, yeah. I never, um, with the exception of, I, I, the, an early draft got submitted to the Richard and Judy book club, um, competition, <laughs> okay. yeah. which I don't know why I didn't win that. I would have thought it was right up <laughs> Judy street, you know, with sort of bodies, bodies in the street by the end of the first chapter. Yeah. Um, but you no, know, I, I didn't win that, um, unsurprisingly. And uh, so, yeah, I, 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 I was reading another crime author' um, their blog, and they mentioned uh, something called the the self publishing podcast, which no longer really exists. Um, Isn't that a like, shame? Yeah, the I know. Self publishing
0: podcast was such a huge part of my life. That first year yeah. of the self publishing podcast, which I think is still is still online, mm. was such a journey. Yeah, it
1: was. And I, I think I came into it. I discovered it when it was on, it was about six months in. And Mm -hmm. so I instantly went, went back and binged all of the back episodes that were available up to that point. And it was, it was like getting a degree in publishing, um, whilst, whilst cooking. Cause I was always used to listen to it whilst cooking. Um, and it, it was just so brilliant. And it was, they were so enthusiastic about it and they were so, you know, they really just, all they wanted to do was just, just write books and get them out there. And there was no, it wasn't about, oh, let's make a million. Let's, you know, let's do Kindle Gold Rush or anything. It was just, we want to quit our jobs and do this for a living. And that was so inspiring. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I loved it. And then I discovered uh, Joanna Penn's podcast as well. Um, still which is st- <laughs> st- Still, it's still. going to finish. N- <laughs> it's my, it's my number one or number two listen of the week. Every single, every single time it comes out. Cause even if mm-hmm. I don't like the interview or it's not particularly interesting to me, her introductions are, they're just like, it's like getting enthusiasm juice, like injected directly into your ears. Um, yeah. it, I always, I, I listen to it walking the dog now and I always come back and immediately sit down and, and blast out a, like a massive to-do list of things that I want to do. Um, yeah. I, and I think, that's what I really like about the community of, of of indie publishing is that it's really supportive and it's really kind. It's really, yeah, everyone wants to help each other and no one's there to try and, well, there are some people who want to try and make money out of you and what have you, but for the most part, it's just people, we're all the same. We all want, we all just want to do well. And I think there's a real nice understanding that, you know, actually, you know, we're not in competition with each other. We're all, we're all in the same boat.
0: Yeah, and back in that like first year of SPP, they were trying so many, so much weird, so many weird story ideas. So they weren't there was wasn't a writing to market idea back then. I don't think so. People weren't mm. going. I need to write a very specific type of a uh, post-apocalyptic book with a very specific type of cover. They were like they did um, unicorn western, which is a, a cowboy magical western fantasy with unicorns. Uh, they did um like little sitcom books they were just trying everything and anything and that was and they were just having fun and it was amazing it was like watching a few well a few friends come together try make each other laugh try and i don't know find their way through it and it was just so fun to be to just watch that or listen to that from afar Uh, so yeah it's a massive shame that that podcast isn't isn't around anymore I think I think they kind of they got a bit
1: too big and I think they got a little bored of the format but then when they changed the format it didn't work and I noticed they came back recently and then it's just disappeared again yeah. um, but I, I, I think those three probably don't realize how lucky they are in terms of the alchemy of what they've got because yeah. you've got Sean who was such a, an enthusiastic puppy dog and then yeah. Johnny who was kind of slightly sarcastic about it all but then but it was also just as enthusiastic but they needed to have Dave there as well the guy who was just a grumpy you know, guys sitting in the background just thinking nothing's going to work and being a bit eeyore about it all. But they, I think they needed it. I think they would have been insufferable if it was just the two of them. Um, and I think yeah. it's, yeah, you know, they, uh, yeah, they, that magic of, of the three of them. And, you know, who knows how that's going to happen? I, I guess you guys have that with, you know, with Hawk and Cleaver and, you know, the way you guys came together and just found the magic of the other stories is, you know, that's quite an inspiration.
0: It's always oh, it's weird to, I don't even think about it that way because, because when you're in it, I guess you don't see it from from the outside perspective, um, but I think yeah, I think we did kind of realize we found some kind of something that was working, so we just kept doubling down on that one thing. Um, unfortunately, I mean, it'd be nice if we sort of were able to go full time just doing that, but it's not it's not the case. Going full time as a as a writer, we've talked about a few times in the past, I think, over Discord, um, mm. and and what that would mean. Which kind of brings me towards what I'm going to call the big hard one which is every episode, every interview, I'll have a big uh, penetrating hard question for the interviewee. Um, we've talked about going I'm full-time as a writer. I need
1: some air, Luke. I need some air. <laughs> I just need a moment. Let me gather went myself.
0: I'm a bit Nigella Lawson Yeah, <laughs> Apologies. Um, so we talked about going full-time as, as a fiction writer a couple of times over Discord. And part of me thinks, yes, I would love that. I would love to wake up and just work on books from nine to five, um, and how amazing that would be. But then there's this other part of me, which I guess is maybe a limiting belief, I'm not too sure, that keeps asking, saying, why do I want that? Do I just want to tell people that I'm a writer? That's kind of a, uh, I'm not too sure if it's um, a good goal to just, once become a full-time writer, just to tell people that you are, if that makes sense. So I guess my big hard question for you is, why aim to go full-time as a as a fiction writer, and why not write books for the for the love of it uh, after hours or in the mornings? Yeah, that's a really good question. I
1: personally, I, I mean, it's it's something I'm aiming for. I don't know if I'll ever get there, but it's always going to be my aim. Um, and not necessarily just as a as a fiction author, but as a creative. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of I'm I'm I feel like I'm going to be branching more out into creative stuff over over the next few years. Um, I got really into. Doing graphic design a couple of years ago, when I learned how to do, uh you know, some design stuff for my own covers. So I've I just, I've now design all my own covers. But I actually I great found covers, I really enjoy as well. I Thank
0: covers.
1: you very much. Um, but I I want to do creative stuff, and part of it is I I think it depends a lot on where you are with your with your job. I mean, if you've got a job that you love. Mm-hmm. And that's bringing in the bills. Then, yeah, you probably don't ever need to sort of make that strive and you can keep things being on a, on a purely, you know, on a, on a purely for the love basis. Um, I'm kind of in a strange situation. I, I, I have a successful career <laughs> in something that I don't enjoy. Um, and it's not awful. And I'm not like, you know, I'm not toiling, you know, stupid hours and, you know, I, 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 my work isn't so difficult that, you know, I mentally exhausted or anything like that, but I just don't really enjoy it. And so I would love to be able to replace that with just doing the creative stuff that I do enjoy. Um, and I think that's where it really comes into. I think that's always going to be the strive, whether I make it, who knows, I think that's down to too many intangibles and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to ever try and beat myself up as being, you know, not making it if I, if I, if I don't. Um, but that's where yeah, I'd like man. to go.
0: That's a good answer. I think I mean it's as simple as if you enjoy it. if you don't I mean the problem is with me I do kind of enjoy my day job. So there's a part of me that thinks, why would I want to get away from it? I mean it's pays the bills, it they pay for my pension. <laughs> so why am I trying to get away from it? But I, I do think maybe I'm just too comfortable and I need to be more uncomfortable to push myself to try and go for that full time writing gig. Um, but but then there is
1: there is there is that myth, isn't there, of the struggling artist? And I don't think artists do have to struggle to be able to make great stuff. I think that's something yeah. that a lot of artists have tried to perpetuate in order to try and make themselves a little bit more uh, glamorous and sexy. Maybe we all want to be Hemingway, um, but you know maybe we don't need to struggle. You know, there's there's plenty there are of people other who ways can... to
0: look sexy. I'm just to add that. you don't have to be a struggling writer. Push up
1: <laughs> to, to be fair, I, I, I probably need to lean into that one. Um, but yeah, a lot of those roads are close to me. Um, the, the, yeah, I, I, I think getting up in the morning and just writing and, and doing it every day is, is, is much better than waiting for the muse and waiting for that glorious moment to arrive when you're going to, when you when you know inspiration's going to strike and I think a lot of people have that idea of creativity that it needs to be something that comes to you rather than it being something that you work on and that you you actively you know generate I, I've started recently getting up an hour before work to do my writing as, as opposed to trying to do it after work and I found yeah. that actually it's it's so much better. With one thing because my head's not clouded with everything that's going on during the day. But also I just find that getting into that routine means those words come so much quicker and it, you know, and they're better as well. When I come back to edit it, it's, it's better stuff than what I was writing at the end of the evening. Um, so I think actually it, it's like a muscle, you know, you don't turn around to a guitarist and say, Oh, do you only write or do you only pick up the guitar when the inspiration takes you? No, most guitarists will, pick up a guitar a couple of times a day and and, and have a bit of a pluck around with it because it will make them better. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, yeah, I keep bringing back things to music again, don't I?
0: No, there it's fine. I mean, also, you feel amazing after you... If you've got your word count out before you've even started the day job, I just find myself going to work feeling way better about myself. I don't feel like like stress hanging over me that, that, that's there thinking, oh, I've still got to do my words after all this bullshit is done. Like I've already yeah. seen that part of my life off.
1: Exactly. I mean, I, I'm, you know, you mentioned the match last night. So, uh, I, I didn't like, stay up and go wild or anything, but I was up a little later than I normally am. So I, I set the alarm back for normal time this morning and I didn't get my words. And now I'm kind of itching and like, Oh God, I've still got to do it. And it's hanging over me. Exactly. I might just, yeah. I might be kind to myself and give myself the day off from it. Um, but you know, I might try and pluck, plough through but it would have been much better to have gotten up that hour early and just be a bit tired
0: yeah one thing I noticed as well um, I randomly saw a tweet from an actor the other day he said I'm just putting this out there um, I'm paraphrasing just putting this out there um, if I don't land a a TV role or a film role within the next year um, I'm calling it quits and then someone else said you shouldn't play that game of if I don't do this by this point just enjoy the the process, and uh, be happy with whatever results that that come from that. So maybe that's a better way to go about it. Not not thinking that there's a deadline on. I mean, we, you can write till you're like seventy eight or whatever. You don't. There's no deadline on on when you can when you have to stop writing.
1: No, and I mean, I'm in a, I'm in a weird position at the moment. My my job that I'm doing at the moment will end in July next year. Um, so at the moment I'm trying to push and think, well, you know, if I can try and push and get to that point, maybe I can, maybe either go part-time or I can, you know, I make, maybe make a full-time go of this, who knows. But if I don't, I'm not going to be like, oh, right, that's it. I've done. And I'm just chucking in the towel. I don't think, I don't think it's possible. I think most creative people that I know, they don't ever stop being creative. They might find a different outlet for it or they might do something else. But generally if they don't sit down and write a song or they don't sit down and write something or record a podcast or do a YouTube video or something, Mm -hmm. they start getting itchy and they start getting that kind of, oh, I need to do something, need to do something. I think it's an itch that you can't ever get rid of. So the idea of quitting it seems absurd to me because I don't know.
0: I mean. That's true. (laughs) Yeah, i become a bad person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: And yeah, there's a, there's a big part of me and I think this probably is for most people where I do sit here thinking, God, why am I doing this? Why am I busting myself so hard to do this? And you know, if you know, there was someone said, uh, if you, if you think this is a good way to make money, then think again, cause you know, mm-hmm. it's probably the hardest way to make money. You know, this is not an easy fix and it's not a quick fix, but, um, at the same time, one of the things is enticing is there's no, there's no sort of ceiling to it. Yeah. You know, if you're one of these people who does really, really well, if you're a Mark Dawson or a Andy Weir, um, or someone like that, you know, and it just all falls into place for you, you, you know, you can go as as far as you want with it. There's no yeah. kind of, you know, with my job, I, I, I've got a decent job, but there's only so far in it. I can go. Um, yeah. there's only, there's only as much as I'll ever earn doing it.
0: Um, so and next, I'm next not, July, did you say, or next June? Next July, end of July okay. next year. And, so, and I guess this would uh, probably be a nice way to start. Start wrapping up is what. What are you? What steps are you taking to, as you work towards that deadline? Do you have like daily plans or anything like that? Or I, I have or so
1: so many spreadsheets. Uh, <laughs> um, I've got so I've got a serial uh, called the Sunset Chronicles, which launched uh back in march this year and that's a monthly ebook serial um mm-hmm. and that will be going for the next 5 years i think i've got it all kind of Whoa. planned out or roughly okay. roughly planned out um the first three series of it are are written and done um the first uh the first series wraps up in the next week or so from recording this um but then i've got a few other plans as well um i'm going to get try and get more into the into the graphic design stuff um, but then I do also, as I said earlier on, I want to move into the audio thing. So, um, I've had a, a bit of a light bulb inspiration moment for a, for the, for an idea for a podcast. So, uh, I'm going to be, um, shamelessly stealing from, uh, from, from the Hawk and Cleaver and, and, and trying to, uh, get something. It's, it's going to be, if you're a fan of the other stories, you'll probably, you'd be sort of thing you might well, you know, find interesting as well.
0: Paul's other stories. <laughs> <laughs> Some other stories.
1: <laughs> no, um, it's um, no, it's going to be a, a horror fiction podcast in in in, and it's going to be you know uh, different tales every week. So, um, but with a sort of a general central theme to it. So, I, at cool. the moment, it's still very much at the planning stage. But um, yeah, I've got I've got high hopes for that too.
0: Awesome. All right, man. Well, I'll, uh, maybe when it, you get close to that deadline, you can jump back on we could chat a bit more see how you're getting on and uh, uh and go from there but for Naomi where can people follow you and your work
1: uh yeah I'm uh I'm PRS books on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and any other social media you can think of um and you can go to my website paulstevensonbooks.com where uh, you can get the first book in each of my series completely free for to download and you don't even need to give me your email address so um, yeah, uh, by all means, do come stop by and do that.
0: Awesome. Uh, any parting wisdom before you uh, close off your pineal gland forever?
1: <laughs> parting wisdom don't get too excited for the match on Sunday, uh, but do get a little bit excited for the match on
0: Sunday. Okay. I think I'm about there. Yeah. Just about there. Yeah. <laughs> nice one. All right. I'm going to hit the stop recording. button. There we have it another episode in the bag the big bag of podcast episodes that was the amazing paul stevenson we'll be checking in on him making sure he's doing okay on his mission um yeah uh, so i guess my question for you guys this week is do you want to be a full-time author or full-time creative and why do you want to be a full-time author or full-time creative Music today was provided by Tom Robson and Duke Rondo. Go check out more of my work at LukeCondor.com. That's K-O-N-D-O-R. Join the newsletter at tinyletter.com forward slash Luke of Condor. Yeah. I'll talk to you in a bit. Bye.
1: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.